1: The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. At my signal,
2: unleash hell.
3: Greetings, Welcome, happy Monday. You are listening to News Talk, Saga 960. Mark Petroni with you for the next two solid gold hours of freedom-loving News Talk. Awesomeness, so very glad you could join us on this Monday edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program, available to you on podcast. Well, the authorities sure love to crack down on Christians, don't they? Almost like they do in China. Not quite as bad, not yet anyway. But uh, police did keep a close eye on that Church of God in Aylmer on Sunday. Yeah, in defiance of an order by the town's police chief, the church did hold a drive-in service on Sunday. Yeah, uh, hundreds of parishioners uh, sat in parked cars watching Hildebrandt on stage. Uh, Hildebrandt, of course, being the uh, the pastor, Pastor Hildebrandt, and uh, they were listening to his sermon. Uh, on their FM radios. So police were there to videotape the proceedings just in case anything got out of hand because, <laughs> you know, some of these church services, yeah, you really got to be, uh, you got to have an eye on those people. So, yeah, police were right there on hand with their little cameras. Anyway, it's uh, it's like a drive-in situation, but it's in a church. It's like I, I mentioned, Church of God Pastor Henry Hildebrand spoke for about half an hour to members of his congregation sitting in about 70 cars in the parking lot of the church. Windows were up, okay? No need to panic. But the radios were turned on, and as we all know, you can catch COVID-19 from the radio, yeah. Aylmer police officers did not stop anyone from entering the parking lot and helped with traffic after the service. But they were also there to videotape, and they know you're there. Oh, yeah. They got your license plate. Don't you worry about that. Watching and listening to the service was London lawyer Nick Cake, who was representing the church in any legal action brought by police. <laughs> I don't know. This is amazing. This is the stuff that Orwell dreamed up in his, uh, in his book 1984. There are no laws being broken here. This is the lawyer talking. The spirit of the law is to keep people apart physically, not to keep cars apart in a parking lot. It's to prevent public contact. Contact, That according to this lawyer, Nick Cake. The only ones out of their cars were you guys, about a dozen journalists, and the police. Cake said he hopes police witness the safety measures taking place. Hopefully they do see that everyone kept their windows up, this was just akin to a Costco parking lot. I mean, are the cops cracking down on those as well? The right thing would be to continue to let people operate in this week in this way. Rather, uh, The pastor Hildebrandt said he understood police would be taking the videotape recordings to the Crown Attorney's Office. Yeah, on, that's today, to determine if charges would be laid. That's right, yeah. So the cops got your license plate. They know you were there listening to the transmission on the radio. Anyway, according to the Alberta-based Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, police don't have the right to ban drive-in services. Well, they seem to think they do. Or they, at least they they seem to think that they can monitor it, videotape it, presumably, what, to intimidate people? The Charter of Rights isn't suspended. This is a quote from the... the uh, Center for Constitutional Freedoms. The Charter of Rights isn't suspended because we have an emergency facing our society. There are measures that are going to be justifiable that do restrict freedoms, freedoms we normally have, that according to Lisa Bildy. But uh, we still have our charter in place. Now, I I think we have politicians here who want to take those charter freedoms away. They've been attacking our freedoms of speech. They've certainly gone after gun rights. Yeah, I realize it's not the same thing as they have in the United States with the Second Amendment, but it's just another indicator that they are attacking more and more of our privileges in this country. A picture of the church's parking lot full of cars was posted on Facebook generating negative comments dedicated to the police, though. The, the The negative comments were about the police who were there monitoring. I mean... I don't know, isn't this what Chinese-style dictatorship looks like? Welcome to life under a Chinese puppet state. Individuals caught breaking Ontario's emergency orders could get slapped with a $750 fine. In more serious cases involving a court summons, convictions carry a maximum fine of $100,000. Is that what they're going to do with this poor little church in Aylmer? And up to one year in jail. Are they going to throw Pastor Hildebrandt in prison while they let people out for fear that they might catch, catch uh, COVID-19? Get this, the fine increases to half a million dollars for company directors and $10 million for corporations. Pastor Hildebrandt said he has tried working with police, offering to pay officers to watch the service if that's necessary to ensure safety measures are followed. Oh, they don't need any money from you, Pastor. No, they're, they're, they are there. And you, you haven't heard the rest of this, boy. You haven't heard the end of this. Well, you had to know this was coming. The Toronto Star painting toxic masculinity yeah, as the culprit in the Nova Scotia massacre. This was picked up in the post-millennial. Yeah, it's all that testosterone. That's what caused the events in Nova Scotia. The Toronto Star has still not learned that the days after a horrific event are not the time to roll out the hot takes that, according to uh, to the post millennial. But look, I mean, you already, they didn't even have the final body count, and Junior was going after the guns, right? Last week, a gunman in Nova Scotia killed, but well, the death toll was 23 people, from what I understand, killing several uh, by gunfire. Or, actually, I'm sorry, killing several by fire. So most people were shot. Police have found no motive, but have found that some of the victims were, were known to the shooter, while others were caught. I guess it appeared to be a random ex- well, gunfire, gunfire. It wasn't an exchange of gunfire. This guy shot these people in cold blood. I don't know, to me, this story, it's a cry for help from the Toronto Star. In an op-ed by the Star... Though columnist uh, Sri Paradakar, I'm sorry if I get that name now, Paradkar decides to play armchair psychologist and finds that there is a deadly culprit that no one was talking about toxic masculinity. Yeah, the, the, the post millennial says this isn't the star's first rodeo in blaming frail masculinity. <laughs> Are you kidding? This is toxic masculinity for the rampage. In 2018, the star blamed the Danforth shooting in Toronto on on masculinity and rejection. This time, though, it's made clearer by the author's choice choice of words. "Quote: The shootings provoke at least two troubling reflections: toxic masculinity and a passion for policing." So, what's their point here? What <laughs> we got to start injecting these people with more estrogen. Yikes. Oh, my gosh. Really, people? So they hauled out this woman from the Department of Sociology in the Women and Gender Studies Institute at the U of T. God help us. And a shooting survivor from the University of California who says it's a man's perceived passion for policing that makes it toxic makes for toxic masculinity. By the way, yeah, there are women who are also in the police force. Uh, not sure if they are also guilty of toxic. Would they have toxic femininity? I don't know. The state-funded liberal party mouthpiece CBC had a story. I'll tell you about it so you don't have to waste your time looking for it. The headline, The Pleasure and Peril of Snitching on Your Neighbors During a Pandemic. <laughs> Yes, ratting out your neighbors when they're not six feet apart is pleasurable to the Liberal Party mouthpiece, but only if you rat out Whitey. That's right. Now, get this. You don't do it out of some sense of civic duty or because you're a busybody or because you're afraid of the spread of COVID-19. No, you call the cops on your neighbor for the sheer pleasure of it. Some people take a long, hot bath, prepare a delicious meal. Others call the cops. Experts say (laughs) reporting on neighbors offers a sense of control, but they caution, adversely affects minorities. That's right. So make sure you're right out whitey, but leave everybody else alone. It's those white people, those racists. In Vancouver, so far this month, The story goes on to say 383 people have called the city about physical distancing. (laughs) (laughs) You should have like, I don't know, a measuring stick or something. Make sure you're far enough away. Another 852 have called about people violating park facility closures, including not physical distancing. And over 1,500 have called about COVID-19 more generally, including to say the city should do more to enforce physical distancing rules. (laughs) Though There are people who want more draconian measures. They want totalitarianism. The rest of us don't. The story goes on to quote some political scientist uh, at the University of Victoria who says, snitching on those around us can have unintended consequences that reduce social cohesion and tend to adversely affect minority groups. Yeah, you got to give them a break. Which makes me think: uh, I don't. Did the cops go to a mosque to see if they were physical distancing? Did they go videotape the, the parking lot? Uh, I'm just just throwing it out there. Or was it just Christians that they are picking on? Do we really want to be in a society where everyone's watching everybody else and reporting on their behaviors? Well, some people do. Junior does. The left does, absolutely. The more This is about control. This is about instilling fear in the population. Absolutely. Part of the problem is that snitching often plays into prejudice and racism. Yeah, research shows, according to the CBC that white people are more likely to report on visible minorities. Aha! You see, it's those racist white people that are using the snitch line to rat out minorities. That's what's going on here. Is it possible that there just are more white people in B.C. than anything else? I don't know, just throwing it out there. Anyway, that's your virtue-signaling liberal mouthpiece using your money to put out drivel crap They're desperate for more of your money. So their message is, go rat out whitey. I think it's a cry for help, again, just like the star. Their audience has whittled away to almost nothing. Along with it, uh, they have very little sway over how we as Canadians think, how we might vote. And so they do stuff like this to get a reaction. Here's a story. Whistleblowing ER doctors are urging for a, a reopening of society and the economy because lockdowns get this according to these experts are weakening our immune system well <laughs> it doesn't surprise me Dr. Daniel W. Erickson of Bakersfield California former emergency rural physician room physician rather and uh, Dr. Artin Mazey accelerated urgent care and also in, in Bakersfield here's a story and this is
4: in Zero Hedge, basic things about how the immune system functions so that people have... Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's shipstation.com with the code
3: To good understand, the immune system is built on exposure to antigens, viruses, bacteria. So when you're a little child crawling on the ground, putting stuff in your mouth, yeah, you know, you see your kid doing that, it makes you crazy. But on the other hand, <clears throat> it strengthens their immune system. I know it's gross. Viruses and bacteria come in, you form antigen, antibodies, And uh, you form, this is how your immune system is built. You don't take a small child, put them in a bubble wrap in a room and say, go have a healthy immune system. No. This is immunology, microbiology 101. This is the basis of what we've known for years. When you take human beings and you say, go into your house, clean all your counters, Lysol them down, you're going to kill 99% of viruses and bacteria, wear a mask, excuse me, don't go outside. What does it do to your immune system? Well, our immune system is used to touching. We share bacteria. And sheltering in place, this is according to the two doctors, decreases your immune system. And then as we all come out of shelter in place with a lower immune system and start trading viruses and bacteria, what do you think is going to happen? Disease is going to spike And when you've got diseases spiking amongst an environment in a hospital system where you've got doctors and furloughed doctors and nurses in California, this is not the combination you want to set up for a healthy society. It doesn't make any sense. They ask the question, did we respond appropriately? Initially, the response was fine. For instance, they uh, they credit the fact that they stopped flights in from China, unlike us here in Canada who allowed people to come in and continue spreading the thing. But uh, they said that was okay. But as the data comes across, uh, we never, ever sound, responded like this in the history of the country. So why are we doing it now? Also, there's this little story, younger Americans now, and I'm not sure the same case is here. I, I suspect very much it is the same case here in Canada. Younger Americans, <clears throat> take a little drink of water here. Mm more likely to hold a favorable view of China. That, according to a new survey by Pew Research, which examines the public's view of a nation during the Chinese, of that nation during the Chinese virus pandemic. Most Americans view China unfavorably, but younger people, not so much. Well, yeah, they're not so bad. Look, that's what brainwashing in the school system is supposed to do, (laughs) That's what Chinese-owned Hollywood production houses do. That's what left-wing media is designed to do. They're designed to push you towards the idea that, oh, no, Chinese-style dictatorship, it's all right. It's fine. Relax. Just, you know, you're going to like being a slave. Quick look at the markets. Uh, Looks like we're going up to start the day, at least in the south of the border. Uh, The implied opening is over 200 points. I see some of the tech uh, tech stocks uh, doing quite well in the uh, extended hours trading. Facebook, Amazon, uh, Apple. Uh, yeah, so all those stocks are doing fine. Well, we'll have to see what else uh, cooks as we uh, get into the market day. In the meantime, we got lots coming up on new stocks, so don't go away.
1: No radio. No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca.
2: You are listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk, Saga 960.
3: And we are back with more News Talk, so very glad you could join us on this Monday edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program. We have Spencer Fernando on the line. He's with SpencerFernando.com. He also does work for the uh, National Citizens Coalition, which is a conservative group. Spencer, welcome to the show.
4: Good to be
3: here. All right, let's talk about uh, a couple of things. First off, I guess, Kim Jong-un, is he Kim jong Dun? I mean, uh, apparently there are reports in Japanese media that he is in a vegetative state, that he could soon be gone. I mean, he's been reportedly, um, you know, well, he went under, underwent botched heart surgery is what we are hearing. Now, it's hard to know exactly what's going on, especially from that very closed uh, regime. But uh, he could very well be on his deathbed and uh, his sister, I guess, is the one who may be waiting in the wings. She may be as big a psycho as he is, but at least the world will be rid of one tyrant. What do you think?
5: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there have been rumors before about him being sick, and then he emerged uh, with a limp, but obviously not too sick. Uh, This time there there are a lot of reports. I mean, the fact that they haven't trotted him out for public consumption yet uh, to show he's okay tells you there may be something going on there uh we'll see i mean the report is interesting the idea that he and again unconfirmed who knows uh, but the idea that he had a heart attack and then they were trying to put a stent in and the doctor operating was super nervous and it took them eight minutes to put in the stent and the doctor hadn't operated on someone who was so fat before uh, so who knows i mean i can understand why the doctor would be nervous because uh, uh if he made a mistake and it messed up kim jong-un and the doctor and his family are probably going to be killed Uh, so it's quite a sad situation for the people of north korea itself who live in constant terror and fear of the psychos in charge uh we'll see i mean it's uh those regimes are always very interesting when there's a uh, shift in power a potential shift in power uh we'll see but uh, it's it's a very strange country it's both very weak and very threatening in some ways threatening because of how weak it is and all they have are really No economy, but a huge military and some nuclear weapons. So uh, hopefully nothing goes totally crazy there.
3: Well, I don't know about the nuclear weapons. I mean, there are reports that there has been some failed attempts to detonate nuclear weapons, but he still is launching uh, missiles into the Sea of Japan, sometimes even over Japan, which has made that country very nervous. Uh, But Taiwan news is... This I'm just going to read this story here. Relays the Japanese media, uh, citing a medical team treating Kim Jong Un is reporting this 36-year-old is in a vegetative state following botched heart surgery. I take your point, by the way, that that's not an assignment that you want to have if you're a doctor. And if anything yeah. goes wrong, then uh, you know you could very
5: well be executed. Anyway, amid they might actually execute the doctor even if it had gone well. Actually, you know who knows? That's it's a crazy country. I mean. They would have said, "Oh, you know too much about
3: the dictator's health." So sorry. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, and by the way, you have no choice. You have, and if you don't take that assignment, then you're still whacked. So it's like, you know, it's like it's a death sentence no matter what you do. But there are conflicting reports because there have some have been some bureaucrats out of uh, North Korea who say, "Oh no, no, dear leader is is perfectly fine." There's also a story that a Chinese medical team. Uh, has been dispatched to uh, North Korea to try and uh, pull this guy out. And uh, I mean, it, it may, well, the reports that we're getting is that it, uh, they weren't able to do that. The medical experts said during a visit to the countryside earlier this month that Kim clutched his heart, fell to the ground. A doctor accompanying Kim immediately carried a CPR, and took him to a nearby hospital for emergency care. The doctor also requested a medical team from Beijing for assistance. At the hospital prior to the arrival of, Chinese, um, of the Chinese medical team, the North Korean doctor performed cardiac surgery, but there were complications due to the uh, hereditary dictator's obesity and mm. the doctor's anxiety. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean... Just desserts for a tyrant like Kim
5: Jong-un. Yeah, if that's the case, I don't think anyone's really going to be mourning his passing. I mean, and of course, in North Korea, they'll send everyone out at gunpoint to start crying if he dies and make it look like they're sad. But most people there, I think, will actually be uh, secretly. Well, I may be happy, but he'll just be replaced by another dictator. So it's not like life will get too much better for people there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, again, he's uh, obviously in terrible shape uh, physically, even before any of this. And the fact that it was even leaked that China was sending a team, that's the kind of weakness that a dictatorship would clearly try to avoid at all costs, just even the possibility that the guy in charge was in serious trouble and needed uh, foreign help. So it's, there's, there's something going on. There. Whether it's as serious as it's being reported, nobody knows at this point, but it seems like there's something happening.
3: Yeah, and let's not forget that uh, when Kim Jong-un's father died, Kim Jong-il, that uh, there was a controversy around people not crying enough, because we saw all sorts of pictures of people weeping hysterically, but apparently it wasn't good enough for Kim Jong-un, who chastised the population, saying they were not distraught enough. So you have to really put on a performance. uh,
5: Yeah, when you see the videos, and you could tell that people were just basic body language. Most of them were faking it, uh, trying really hard to look like they were crying. Not many actual tears. That's so you can always tell, right? The face is all contorted and everything, and but no tears coming out. So, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's you know, talk about actors needing motivation. Well, if the government comes and says, "Hey, we'll blow your family apart if you don't cry," well, I guess that's the motivation there. But uh, it's it's a terrible. I mean, the country is even calling it a country. It's like it's just it's the life that people there live is just horrendous. It is the starvation Will their leaders get fat and eat well. It's just yeah, it's it's a terrible place. It is
3: strategically located though being where it is in that part of the world in Asia bordering China and then being you know close to Japan and you know so it's it's a fairly strategic area and we'll have to see what comes out of it because I think his sister who apparently is in line to take over is appears to be as big a psycho as he is anyway let's talk a little bit about uh, something that you're planning to work on And that is the Tory, the Conservative Party of Canada's relationship with the media, a media that is openly hostile to the party, attacking them as if they were going after the government. But because there's so much in the tank for Justin Trudeau having been paid, I mean, you have a Liberal Party that has stolen our money to give to them. So I can sort of understand why some unscrupulous reporters or fake reporters would feel this deep kinship with the government that is lining their pockets and, and propping up their uh, ever-weakening sector. You know, Companies like Toronto Star, for instance, big trouble, big time in need of, of, of as much government money as they can possibly get. We know that the CBC, of course, um, is completely reliant on public dollars. But um, what you're saying and have made this argument, Spencer, is that the Conservative Party seems to be trying to appease these people who are clearly, openly hostile to the Conservatives.
5: Yeah, so I mean, I think people see the the current controversy now with Derek Sloan, and I just you know it's just from whatever people think of the comments themselves. Uh, first of all, I think calling him racist to me seems crazy. Whether people agree with the comments or not, I think to say that he's racist is just absurd. Um, but. Just the way the party responds to it, again, it's like you're not going to get any points from anybody for a bunch of internal fighting, right? You're just going to look bad and out of control, disorganized, uh, divided. And, again, they never get any benefit from it. So, And then oh, I think a lot of core conservatives are upset because they say, well, you know, so the media and liberals get upset. And then you just use the same terminology and language as the media and attack your own party uh, and then kind of divide yourself. What I don't understand is, and I tweeted about this, and I'm writing something about it uh, later uh, for the Citizens Coalition, is why don't they, when they're asked about Sloan, why don't they just say, you know, Justin Trudeau, uh, Patty Hajdu, and Theresa Tam all insinuated that Canadians were racist for wanting travel bans on China at a time when if that had been instituted, that would have saved many lives in this country. Um, and the government said people were racist for it. Then, of course, they reversed themselves. Uh, and instituted the same bands they claimed wouldn't work and were prejudiced.
4: So when will Justin Trudeau and, and Patty Haidu and Teresa Tam apologize to all
5: the Canadians who they called racist? Every time they're asked about Sloan, they should just say that over and over and over again. And the media will say, oh, you didn't answer the question. Whatever. Trudeau never answers the question. He gets with it. But the media would still have to show the clip and play the audio of the person saying that, right? So you're still getting your message out to people, whether the media is attacking it or not. You're still getting out the words that you want people to hear. And I don't get why they play this game where Oh, I guess the liberals and the media have defined the terms of debate, so we'll just be apologetic for a while and see if that works out for us. Uh, I mean, they're basically being lectured on racism by a guy who wore blackface, and the guy who wore blackface is actually winning the argument. So to me, that's absurd. They just need to get to to realize that playing defense isn't really an option, uh, and you just have to attack constantly over and over and over again. Go on offense. Hold them accountable for hypocrisy.
3: Well, that's kind of my next question. Should the conservatives call out the media? Should they do kind of like what Trump does? Trump calls them out all the time, calls them fake news, calls them um, you know, uh, fake reporters, attacks them for biased coverage. I think he has a point in doing so, and I think he has a lot of the people behind him who also are just as ticked off with the media. But we don't see that up here. We don't see sheer you know, ripping the media or anything like that. And in fact, none of the conservative leadership hopefuls to my knowledge has ever really gone after the media as if, I guess they're afraid of the media in certain respects, but unfortunately it's like dealing with bullies. You know, the more afraid you are, the more timid you are, then the more likely you're going to get your butt kicked from these people.
5: Yeah. I think, I think calling out the media for someone will be good. I don't think the exact Trump approach would work in Canada right now for a few reasons. I mean, Trump is, for one, a unique personality. Uh, Two, uh, he has in his Twitter account uh, basically a media, all of his own creation, right? So he fights back against the media with his own audience that is larger in some cases than the media he's attacking. I mean, some journalists with 100,000 followers will criticize Trump, and then Trump will hit back with, what, like 60-something million people, right? So in Canada, you don't see any political, uh, none of the top leadership contestants have anything close to that following, whether it's even a a strong following or a widespread following. Uh, The other problem is in the U.S. there is a more, people there have done intelligently, is there is more of a a media ecosystem that is open to the other side, right? So this is something else I criticize the conservatives for. Which is that, you know, why don't – so they hold a press – Shear holds a press conference, and it's the Ottawa Press Gallery. So he goes to the Ottawa – the place in Ottawa, and the media there, uh, they all decide who asks the questions. Why doesn't he invite, say, yourself or myself or uh, True North News or Rebel News or more people from the Toronto Sun, for example? Why don't they invite a bunch of independent media people? And then split the questions between them. So they don't have to maybe go after the media the same way Trump does, because I don't know if it would work, but you can there's a way to criticize the media now, without exactly copying Trump's approach. You can still criticize people. Um but why don't you know why don't they just change really what the media is? Just start inviting people who are actually open to their message in the first place. You yeah. Me, know, uh,
4: yeah. Like Andrew
5: Laden, uh you know, Keyn Bex. I mean, invite all these people, Candace Malcolm invite them to go to these press conferences and split the questions between them and the establishment media. I I don't understand why they don't. I mean, they complain constantly and fairly ask their right to complain about the media being biased. But they're a party with a ton of money, millions of supporters, a huge infrastructure. Why don't you use some of that to actually bring in different types of people and ask questions? Or do they just want to complain and keep losing? So I think that's the question they have to answer is there's things they could do. Uh, they just choose not to do it so far.
3: Meantime you have the prime minister who seems to have very controlled press conferences with most of his flunkies asking softball questions. Yeah. The odd tough question, which he then doesn't answer anyway. But, uh, you know, it's not like he's inviting people like yourself to news conferences or asking questions. I mean a lot of people who would like to ask questions don't get a shot you know he's going to go to a handful of his usual uh, buddies at the Toronto Star and you know the CBC and get you know, get a few apple pie questions rather than have to deal with stuff that he would get asked by you or me or or other people who want to
5: call him out on stuff that he's done and you know just from a purely like an amoral political perspective like just pretending we don't have any views but we're just strategic the liberals are very smart they're rigging the media in their favor i mean just it's it's the wrong thing to do obviously but strategically it's very smart they're rigging the media in their favor and it helps them so i don't know why the conservatives they watch the liberals rig the media and then they complain that the liberal rigged media isn't fair to them when there's things they could do to have a media that's more friendly to them like supportful the country well that's yourself myself you know people i mentioned earlier who have large audiences and who are much more open to being fair to the conservative party and being critical of the liberals but they kind of shun those people aside they're like oh no that's not really the real media we'll just keep going to the toronto star and seeing if they're nice to us today like yeah, they're never going to be nice to you so yeah i think at some point they need to realize that there are things they can do other than just complaining yeah there are things they can do to start changing this i think once they realize that And a lot of this stuff will change, and then sure they can call up the media, but they won't have to because the idea of the media, the media itself, will become something different that will be more open to different perspectives.
3: All right, Spencer, thank you so much. Appreciate this. Yeah, welcome, Spencer Fernando. Check out his site, spencerfernando.com, and uh, it includes stories that you're not going to see, and much of the mainstream media and commentary that you're not going to see. And so we uh, we need more. Sites like the one that uh, that Spencer has, not fewer. And we'll be back with more news talk
0: after this.
1: Stream us live at Saga 960 AM. Ca.
2: listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk, Saga 960.
3: And we're back with more News Talk. So glad you could join us on this Monday edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program. I am joined by Kate Harrison of Summa Strategies, Uh, Kate, uh, you've got some thoughts about the prime minister's popularity as a result of uh, his handling of COVID-19 and the pandemic. Uh, Talk a little bit about what your feelings are about that.
6: Yeah, well, there's been a a few interesting polls that have come out in the last week or so, Mark, since we last spoke, uh, looking at Trudeau's approval. Um, amidst the COVID crisis, and uh, well, as a as a conservative, I'm a little disappointed to say, but uh, it seems as though he's he's faring quite well in terms of public opinion. Uh, a couple of polls that I've seen from from Angus Reid and Abacus Data and a few others have indicated uh, an uptick of about 20 points or more in the prime minister's approval in just a two month time frame. And you'll remember about two months ago. COVID uh, was barely a word passing people's lips. Everybody was very concerned about rail blockades. Um, of course, the, uh, uh, the killing of those Canadians aboard the Ukrainian flight in Iran uh, and, and tensions with the West. So pretty remarkable uptick, although not necessarily a surprising one as more and more people uh, become very committed to government programs uh, and they feel they need government now more than ever. But uh, certainly, uh, if you think that everything is political, including a pandemic, um, this is not bad news for for Justin Trudeau.
3: The polling that I saw had him up, that's true, but uh, not as high as every premier of every province. So in other words, premiers were seen to have been closer to the people and as a result got uh, an uptick as well. So it's not like the feds are seen as having performed better than any of the provinces is that correct
6: yeah that's a that's a great point Ipsos reed has some polls out that were indicating just that uh doug ford uh has done a remarkable job you know if you think 21 points for trudeau is impressive uh doug ford's approval has gone from the 20s uh to 83 percent uh which is a pretty massive upswing now he was facing pretty strong headwinds in the province uh including with everything happening with teachers but Yes, uh, I think it's it's a fair statement to say that politicians of any stripe in Canada right now are benefiting in terms of approval ratings. Uh, no one is has uh, seen a downturn. Uh, Francois Legault, for example, in Quebec, ninety six percent approval rating. So by and large, Canadians feel very confident in the way that their political leaders have responded to this crisis, regardless of where. Uh, their their partisan affiliations, maybe.
3: And yet we've seen uh, some questions around the prime minister's performance around this COVID-19, for instance, not ending flights from China, uh, you know, questionable shipping of 16 tons of PPEs to China, just as we were preparing. That's, I th- I, my understanding is that half of our stockpile uh, is mismanaging of the warehouses, for instance, that we're supposed to house PPEs. Uh, I'm talking about personal protective equipment. Um, we What we've received from China has been subpar. We've had to ship back a, a, another million masks or something like this. Meantime, he seems to take this appeasement policy with China, refusing to criticize that country for its duplicity, for its, well, let's face it, they haven't been on the up and up with the rest of the world around what started this thing. We've had multiple stories and versions of where this thing got started and all the time this Prime Minister seems to have been Reluctant to criticize the cha- the Chinese going so far as to suggest that any of this was well through his health minister that all this was just a bunch of uh, Conspiracy theories, you know around questioning the veracity of, of China's version of what happened you would think that his performance would been would have been subpar. Granted, he does come out a lot. So if you're just walking past a TV set and you see his face out there, you think, "Oh, I guess he's doing his job," but he doesn't seem to be overly eager to answer a lot of questions. I don't know. What do you think?
6: Yeah, that's. I think that that's fair. I think that that's one of the areas uh, the the Canada-China relation Canada-China relationship. Um, is one of the things that threatens the Prime Minister's popularity, for sure. But I really like your phrasing there, Mark, in terms of kind of walking past the TV and seeing Justin Trudeau on every day. And we have to remember that's how the majority of people consume politics in this country. So uh, you see the Prime Minister announcing uh, dollar after dollar every day in some kind of new... Spending program uh, and people, you know, at the same time feel threatened about their economic security, uh, and so therefore they think, well, the prime minister is is doing a good job. I think what's happening right now, and it, it's going to change a little bit, but there's a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety uh, in terms of yes, public health, but also the economy. Uh, the more the Canadians start to feel secure about their financial futures, the country's financial future. Uh, we're going to see a change in those approval numbers again because based on what a lot of Justin Trudeau has been saying so far, uh, economic restart is, is a, a future thought. Uh, and I think that as more Canadians get confident about their own position, they're going to start to ask questions about when Canada is going to turn back on, uh, what the plan is in order to generate economic growth, how we're going to uh, take advantage of our, our resources uh, and make sure that, you know, Alberta is is supported. And these are questions that I think the prime minister is going to have a difficult time trying to answer because it doesn't really square with his ideology and his political agenda. So uh, I think that uh, these results might be a good time, not a long time, especially as we get towards the path of recovery, given that uh, fiscal issues traditionally uh, have not been the liberal strong suit.
3: Yeah, I mean, if if things start to go south, I mean, we're probably almost certainly in, in a recession. We've lost, what, a million and a half jobs, something to that effect? Uh, I don't yeah, know. Uh, the data
6: that uh, that Abacus has actually has 4.2 million Canadians out of work right now.
3: That's astonishing. And so it's all well and good for the time being, I think, to think, well, I guess we've got to take some action
4: uh, as far as trying to stem the
3: if our economy continues to tank and more and more people start having a really hard time paying the bills, I mean, could uh, could that be one of the headwinds that this prime minister and even premiers, let's face the facts here, that uh, all these politicians that are riding high in the popularity polls, this could all go south in a hurry, couldn't it?
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest challenge for, for Trudeau in particular is going to be squaring that Ambitious environmental agenda, which we know remains a primary concern for this government with that economic restart. Uh, We've always been told that the economy and the environment go hand in hand. That's been the Liberals' uh, big line. Uh, Yet, uh, there's been minimal support given to Alberta's oil sector, uh, and and the people in Alberta feel as though uh, they're drowning right now. So, um, not sure that that is going to be uh, something that the Trudeau government can reliably count on for public opinion and and support uh, because it's simply going to be difficult to pursue that kind of an agenda uh, if we are in a recession um, and when we're trying to bring the economy back online. A lot of what they're talking about um, is our plans well into the future. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be trying to get there eventually, uh, but good luck trying to sell to folks uh, a plan for – Uh, economic growth 10, 15 years from now when the immediate need to act uh, is is so present because of this crisis.
3: In the meantime, we have a conservative party that I guess is facing a stalled leadership race. And uh, I mean, given that the prime minister is riding high in the polls, uh, could this be tempting for the liberals to to pull a fast one in the fall, catch the uh, Tories flat-footed, and uh, perhaps uh, engineer their own defeat in the house in order to try and get back their uh, their majority is that is that a possibility is that something that conservatives are looking at
6: it's, i i think any, anything's possible so I'll, i'm always very careful about how definitive i am in in statements like this but it is going to be really difficult for the trudeau liberals to pull an uh, pull an, a plug on an election sometime in the fall if uh, unless the economy comes roaring back which they themselves have assured us it's not going to happen. Uh, and they have said very clearly that this is going to be a long and drawn out process to get to recovery. Um, why would they want an election uh, if the economy is not at least firing on, on some cylinders, even if not on all four? Uh, not to mention the fact that the U.S. election, uh, the presidential this fall, I think would be reason enough for the Liberals to keep their powder dry, uh, to see, in pad what we're dealing with in the White House. Are we in for another four years of Trump or we're going to have a Democratic president? So uh, I think that uh, the Liberals would be very hesitant to do something like that. And trying to justify the public expense for an election uh, at a time like this, having just come out of a major economic uh, tumult, uh, that would be a difficult sell, I think, especially given that they're the ones in power. So trying to suggest to Canadians that, you know, the time is now... Uh, comes across as very politically crass, and they're not above that, but uh, I do think that uh, all those reasons I mentioned would give them pause.
3: And yet they've been frustrated on a number of fronts. They tried to uh, hijack Parliament with this bill, I guess injecting it into into part of the stimulus package that they would somehow have the right to spend whatever they wanted uh, on whatever they wanted, over the next uh, year, eighteen months, or whatever, they tried to get that through. Now they're looking at a ban on uh, semi-autos, despite the fact that uh, this horrific um, event in Nova Scotia—the shooting, the mass shooting—really was not the result of any uh, problem. As far as legislation is concerned, the the shooter had uh, illegal fire, had illegally obtained these firearms, and as far as I know, semi-autos were not part of that. But uh, still, they're. They've shown an indication to try and use that as a pretext to ram through potentially controversial, unpopular legislation by going after uh, the, the, the firearms rights of legal uh, owners in this country. So you can make the case that they haven't been able to do everything that they'd wanted to because of the fact they're in a minority situation. And so isn't that one possible reason that they would look at, especially if he's doing well in the polls? I mean, let's face it, if this economic... Uh, downturn drags on; they, things could get worse before they get a lot better, and so they might say, "Well, we're riding high in the polls now over our handling of COVID-19." People will probably think, "Well, we better stick with the the devil we know right now; he's in charge." Who knows who's going to be the next leader of the Conservative Party, and Canadians might turn around and play the safety card. Well, you know, we'll we'll give him another majority. And then that would probably open the door for him to do a lot more, push through the kind of agenda that these people seem to want to push through, despite the fact that they've had some pushback from Canadians. So that's why I raised it. I raised the question of, you say, well, why would they? Well, for one thing, they haven't been able to do all the things that they want to do. And for another thing, who knows, if the economy gets worse, then I would think that they're uh, that their popularity might fall as well, which would kill any opportunity of getting reelected. Let's remember that we are in a minority situation, which means that, you know, who knows, uh, you know, that, that if they if they don't do it this fall, um, who knows, maybe the opposition will get together and, and throw them out in the spring.
6: The question becomes who wants to play ball in, in actually going to the polls. And when you take a look at where the opposition parties are at right now, none of them uh, are or should be, in my opinion, keen to go to an election under the current circumstances. For the Bloc Québécois, they are enjoying uh, the most support that they probably will ever get in federal uh, electoral politics. There is not a lot of ground there for the Bloc to gain um, in Quebec. They had a great showing in the fall. Uh, François Blanchet has been very supportive of everything the Trudeau government has been doing. There is no reason for them to try and uh, pull the plug on the government right now uh, based on how popular they they are currently. The Greens uh, and even the NDP are sort of rounding errors in this minority parliament. Yeah. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, everybody makes a big uh, a big deal about the the great election campaign he had. Well, he lost half of the seats for the NDP. Um, and he's sitting at around 15% public opinion support from the data that I've seen. So, uh, And they're broke. So they definitely don't want to go to an election anytime soon. The Conservatives, who would be the most likely to pull the plug, of course, uh, it's not as though they've got an easy path to victory. Uh, the data that uh, that I'm seeing isn't necessarily, it's not all bad news for the Conservatives. Of course, they still enjoy healthy support in Western Canada and the prairies. Um, Ontario and Quebec, though, major, major uh, problems for the Conservative Party right now. Uh, Quebec was supposed to be our path to victory uh, last fall. Uh, We're at about 9% support uh, in the province of Quebec right now for Conservatives. Uh, In Ontario, there's an over a 10-point lead uh, for the Liberals. Uh, So they do enjoy pockets of support and their overall vote intention number isn't bad. They've got that rock-solid base of 30%. uh, But... Right now, especially with no leader uh, trying to find uh, the the those middle voters who would switch from red to blue, uh, that is very very challenging. We need about six, seven, eight percent of those people to change over uh, if we have any shot of of forming government. So uh, the conservatives uh, may be keen, but based on the numbers that we're seeing right now, uh, that should. Give them a little bit of pause in terms of whether or not it's it's the right time to pull the plug.
3: Last question. Speaking of the conservatives, where do you see uh, the party headed in terms of getting a leader, um, given everything that's happened?
6: Yeah, it's the the next two weeks are going to be really important for that question mark. Uh, the The leadership committee that's organizing the election has said that uh, they will lay out the path for the leadership selection uh, sometime in early May. So a lot of people are waiting for for that. I think under the current circumstances, it is hard to see a scenario where uh, the leader is selected under the current timeline. It's not impossible, but the logistics of uh, mailing out ballots to people, um, getting them back into headquarters, counting them appropriately and, and, and maintaining physical distancing while doing that, uh, all ahead of the June timeframe, while Canada Post is under extreme pressure uh, to deliver items right now because of COVID, that makes the initial uh, June 27th timeline difficult to achieve. So, I think a more likely scenario would be sometime between then and perhaps the November policy conference, which was set to occur in Quebec City. But the question becomes: uh, Does the race do the race parameters change at all? There's been some talk about whether or not uh, they might open the race back up to new candidates uh, and try to get some more people in the in the field because of where we initially paused or do they keep the, do they keep the candidates that are there and and push things through? So a lot of big questions there, but I, I, I do think ultimately uh, we're coming up on the 1st of May. We haven't had any debates. Uh, none of the candidates have released any uh, concrete new policy uh, as a conservative member. I would definitely like to see a more thorough, uh, robust race to the finish line rather than try to, uh, find our way to this, this end of June timeline and, and rush things through. So, um, certainly the next couple weeks are going to be very, very important in terms of what that timeline looks like. Do you favor a reboot? I don't think so. I think in my view, if you want this job, uh, you probably should have made your intentions clear and not sat on the fence. Um, and waited to be kind of coaxed into it. And I think people had ample opportunity to decide whether or not they wanted to be in this thing. I do have uh, a lot of sympathy for some of the candidates that weren't able to finish campaigning uh, and, and maybe their opportunity to reach those donation threshold thresholds, excuse me, were cut short because of COVID. Uh, I think there were about three candidates that were impacted by that. Um, so I have a lot of sympathy for, for that. Uh, but going back to the drawing board, in my opinion, uh, that's not going to achieve much either. People had time to make up their minds. Uh, and if they weren't in it then, then I, I'm not sure why they would want to be in it now. So I think we should probably press forward with the fields that we have.
3: All right. Kate Harrison, Summa Strategies. Thank you so much for this, Kate.
6: Thanks a lot, Mark. Take care.
3: All right. And we'll be back with more News Talk after this.
1: No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga 960 AM.ca.
2: You're listening to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number: 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni radio program, heard exclusively on News Talk, Saga 960.
3: So apparently you can get married using Zoom, the software program that allows you to link with other users. Well, not in Ontario. I guess it's legal in other jurisdictions. There's a story in The Guardian a lockdown is a great test. The New York couples are getting married on Zoom. Couples are having virtual toasts with friends and family during the pandemic. After the state, New York State, announced it was legalizing video wedding ceremonies. Well, it talks to one particular couple, Sayaka Fakuda and James Stor Brown who have been trying in vain since January to get married after the coronavirus disrupted their wedding plans. And so when New York State announced, okay, sure, you can go ahead, have your virtual wedding ceremony. Legalizing that process, this couple immediately decided, okay, let's do it. Let's get married on Zoom. This is the site that's connected to the Chinese and there's all sorts of security concerns. Now their stock on Friday, which had been doing extremely well, got smoked when Facebook announced that it was getting into the same sort of realm.
7: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At US Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.
6: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
6: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
4: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Because, of course, you know, you can't have little companies like that make money without the big boys taking a hammer to them. Anyway, they were among the first to take advantage, this couple... Um, take advantage of this new law Just, just a few hours later they were saying their vows in the living room of their Manhattan apartment presided over remotely by their official in upstate New York and watched by dozens of friends and family around the world using the video conferencing service quote we have family in Japan and the UK and of course all the United States and Italy so I texted some couples saying hey in two hours I'm going to have a ceremony that according to the 41 year old shoe designer and business owner. And there, so they decided, yeah, let's just go for it. And they ended up with 30 to 40 guests in true zoom style. Many of them were dressed up from waist up (laughs) with pajama bottoms out of shot. And friends, Sent messages of congratulations. Yeah, well, I mean, you could be wearing your underwear for all. I mean, at the end of the day, although if you want to get in the mood, I don't know. I'm thinking, just go with it. Um, they had a virtual toast, and uh, one of them, one of the couples. Uh, uh, Let's see, we had virtual, uh, Fukuda and Stora Brown, 48 years old, works in finance. So they went onto their rooftop. The neighbor, who was also a witness, took photos from a safe distance. Well, I, people are just getting... They're doing what they can. Fukuda said it ended up being a unique and intimate experience that was way better than going to City Hall. Well, I mean... Why not? I don't know. I, I got I thought it was an interesting story to talk about as a reflection of the fact that people are coping with this thing in the best way that they can. So they decided we're not gonna let this pandemic prevent us from getting married. I got no issues with that. Story goes on to say that with So many of their friends having lost jobs in the fashion industry as a result of the outbreak. It's just a sad and emotional time to see everybody on the screen. It's actually very nice, and I feel closer to them. The couple who have been together for three and a half years had planned to have two weddings, one in Tokyo and one in May, in May rather, and then another one in upstate New York in June. But following the coronavirus outbreak, they, like thousands of others who planned to get married in New York this year, were forced to reassess their plans. Uh, they still plan to do an in-person wedding at in both of those cities at some point. That's a lot of weddings. Uh, but we'll wait until either later this year or the next. Well, come on. I mean, you've already had your wedding. I mean, I guess you can have a little bit of a ceremony. I, anyway, uh, so the bride said living in lockdown is a great test for marriage. Adding, if you can go through this, stuck in an apartment all day with your partner. This is an amazing test. We passed it, I hope. Meantime, a lot of people are getting divorced as a result of being stuck. <laughs> That's the story I heard. This will either push you together or it'll pull you apart. And and at the end of the day, what do you do? Do you, do you split the apartment or house down the middle and say so you stay on your half? I think there was an episode of, I love Lucy and kind of reminds me, you know, just draw a, a line, you know, you stay on your part of the unit and I'll stay on mine. Well, that's, it is a test. I mean, I have mentioned that it'll, it'll exacerbate any existing issues and, um, uh, Force you to deal with others. I mean, it's all I can, all I can say. That's the situation. So there you go. Zoom weddings. Would you do anything like that, or any other kind of ceremony? I mean, there have been a uh, birthday parties and stuff like that. Um, bar mitzvahs. <laughs> I wonder if the Catholic Church would approve um, a ceremony for people getting their confirmation. I don't know. Can you do a baptism like that? Uh, You know, if this thing drags on, it wouldn't surprise me if, well, the Catholic church, things move pretty slowly and that's, I understand that. But, um, you know, people are going to get, have, have babies. Presumably subject to uh, baptism ceremonies and stuff like that. I mean, what do you do if you can't get that done? Over in Germany police have busted a cellar hairdressing operation. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> you start treating these pe- people like as if they're like meth dealers. How dare you? Finding the perfect fringe during these times of confinement may prove to be an expensive gamble. After German police went underground to uncover two makeshift hairdressing salons on the weekend, Oh, yeah. When the officers arrived at the salons, which were carefully installed in the cellars of two private homes, people were having their hair done. We can't have that. Put a stop to that immediately. What, they're going to have, like, perp, they're gonna perp walk these people in, like, jumpsuits and handcuffs. <laughs> they were having their hair done. Two people were waiting for a cut, in the town of uh, Elsenfeld, Elsenfeld, and in another, in a cellar in Mammlingen, according to the German agency DPA, which claims that the salons were professionally equipped, mm, yeah, they were serious. Police have opened investigations up for uh, non-compliance with the lockdown measures, which in Bavaria are among the strictest in Germany. Under the rules set down at the end of March when confinement started, leaving home without a valid reason is punishable with a fine of up to 150 euros. Well, that's not as bad as here. Like 750 bucks. Hair salons closed like other businesses considered non-essential. However, will begin to reopen next month in the country as part of a gradual deconfinement. See, even in Germany, they've got a plan to reopen the economy. But God help you if if you're a little premature in that, as these people were with their hair salon. I mean, so... (laughs) To what degree is that happening here? Maybe you've heard... See, this is the thing, right? I mean, if you've got regular customers, I know. I mean, I've heard that that the people are doing that. They'll come to your home and cut your hair. I don't know. Is that a big deal? Well, it is in Germany if you have a, a salon in your basement. More news talk to come after this.
1: Stream us live at saga960am.ca.
2: You were listening to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416 640 0200. That's 416 640 0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are
3: back with more News Talk. So glad you could join us on this Monday edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program. I have Miles Kristen on the line from nearby Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, he's got some thoughts about the, the fact that there's been a number of protests. Uh, in that area, in Madison, from people who say, no, we got to open up the economy, enough already. They're pushing back against what they see as a, uh, well, the ongoing lockdown. So you've got these people in government in Wisconsin and elsewhere saying, no, you've got to stay indoors, we've got to uh, continue what we're doing, and you've got others, uh, many Americans saying, no, enough already, we've got to get the economy moving ahead. Um, the president himself has said that. So you've got on one extreme states like Michigan and Wisconsin and on the other end you've got uh, states like Georgia which is attempting to reopen its economy saying no we got to get back to work that uh, the cure you know um, can't be worse than the disease in terms of locking down the economy and bringing on a depression so you've got a lot lots going on in the United States right now Miles can you make sense out of it for us <laughs> <laughs>
8: I don't know if I can make sense out of anything these days, but um, the situation in Wisconsin is complex. I don't think that a lot of the protests that have been going on in Wisconsin are organic. They kind of remind me a lot of the same demonstrations I've seen in Wisconsin over the last couple of years where we would have all these high schoolers walk out, and it turns out it was like part of a um, much larger political agenda and you know the term political astroturfing like wealthy people organizing protesters and making it look like it's organic and and I see a lot of similarities between the uh, the protests with the high schoolers a couple years ago and now the protests going on right now and there is a very legitimate debate about what businesses should and shouldn't be open and the role of government. And even even Ben Shapiro was saying, you know, if you're gonna attend these sorts of protests and whatnot, you should be wearing masks and have the proper, you know, protection and so forth. And yet you see some of these uh demonstrations going on in Wisconsin and people are walking around no mask and they're in you know, congregating in a in a certain way and um it it's a very strange thing that's going on i um i wouldn't you know and people are acting like we're living in martial law or something like that and and okay we don't have the national guard deployed we don't have sheriffs uh doing border checks and especially if you go to a place like madison i drove through madison not too long ago and I mean you could barely tell that anything was different there was young people out everywhere you saw people panhandling in front of the walgreens you could see the i hate to say it but the drug addicts congregating at bus stops like it it's not it's not martial law i mean it's it's a it's a terrible situation where we're where there's a lot of restrictions and whatnot but i mean and it's different in different states but it's not exactly like a police state or anything down here in in Wisconsin.
3: What's your situation? I mean, can you get out? I mean,
8: oh yeah. I mean, you, you you're 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 allowed to to go anywhere. I haven't really seen anything of anybody being stopped. Um, it's you know, it, it's kind of varied over the last couple months as of how many people were out and everything, but. You know, you look around and people are out taking walks all the time. And, yeah, I think it's really strange that a park would be closed, but, um, you know, a fast food place is open. Um, it's there, there. I think there were definitely ways to incentivize people um, that should have stayed home to stay home. For instance, if somebody didn't have a job before all of this and they're, you know, going out doing stupid stuff, I mean, maybe the government could have said something like to the effect of, well, if you're, you know, that maybe people who were on, like people who were on unemployment before all of this stuff happened, you know, maybe the government should have said, you know, if, you, if you're if you being careless and irresponsible, you could lose potential benefits that you're receiving and so forth like that. Um, you know it's it's really strangers like people for instance in madison saying that we should empty the jails and it's like no it's i mean i get that you don't want everybody in such a confined space and maybe yeah you need to take some of those prisoners and and find other facilities to keep them in and so forth but it is a it is a strange time in madison but i mean the the, the, the mayor there i think is doing a terrible job i mean got to get the homeless people off the street. I mean, get them into shelters, get some of these people into drug rehabilitation facilities. Um, I mean, how can you have everybody quarantining themselves and then you have a segment of the population, you know, living on the streets that's going to be very susceptible to catching this virus and then starting it all back up again, you know? um, I don't like the Wisconsin governor. Um, I didn't vote for him, but I wouldn't say that he's actually doing a terrible job and it doesn't seem like he's—he's he's not putting us in a police state.
3: Okay, so that's an exaggeration in your view. What's—what's what's your uh, thinking on what's going on in Georgia, where they want to open up the economy to nail salons and all this? But he's saying, look, you know, it's up to you as to whether or not you want to open it up. No one's going to force you to open your business or not. But it—it it is open that the—the the option is available to you. That if you want, if you have a small business, you want to reopen, go ahead. And, uh, you know, just be prudent about it, be careful, but, you know, don't remain shut. So they are, uh, the the governor of Georgia is taking a lot of heat over his position, but it does illustrate just how different, you know, the attitudes are from one state to the next in the United States.
8: I mean, I, I think, I've been sadly joking about this. I think what we can learn out of all of this, at least in the United States, is that you might never actually see a full uh we'll never see a full martial law in, in in america because democrats and republicans are so divided and so forth which um i don't know if that's you know good or whatnot, not but uh you know that i think as far as businesses opening and and people have to number one people should demonstrate that they're should, people should act responsible and demonstrate that responsibility when when especially when they're doing these sorts of protests against the government i mean you, but now, as far as how businesses could be opening and so forth, I think one thing that I'm not seeing is why aren't for instance insurance companies more involved you know the businesses insurance companies more involved in saying, okay well, you know we'll advocate for you to be open, but you should also have your employees follow these sets of guidelines for right now. you know I was able to uh, pick up some work at a place I, I was working at a couple of years ago and I went in and uh, you know, a lot of coworkers there weren't taking any of this stuff seriously, um, you know, using um, kind of construction equipment, like a um, forklift and, and um, Bobcat and things like that. And I was saying to some of the guys, you know, if we're going to use the Bobcat and so forth, we should all be wiping the Bobcat down when, you know, same as if, if you were at the gym and they got the little spray bottle, like we should be sanitizing this equipment just to, you know, clear up any chances of this stuff. And one of my co-workers was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and it was like, people have to take this stuff seriously. So it's not just, uh, you know, like there's a lot of libertarians who think this is not real. and There's sadly a lot of conservatives who feel that way, too, and people on that political spectrum not taking this seriously. But there's also just a lot of, I hate to say it, there's a lot of poor people who just don't see the severity in this situation. And it's like, how do we stop this virus if people don't just at least take the basics of, you know, keeping things clean and, you know, some basic ideas of how to not spread this?
3: Yeah, well, maybe they're more concerned about feeding themselves and paying their rent. I mean, I don't know, maybe their priorities are geared more towards economic necessities rather than those. I don't know. But uh, the situation in California, thousands of people in California flocking to the beach this weekend, despite uh, the ongoing stay-at-home order by Governor Newsom amid the global pandemic. Uh, I mean, people are not taking it seriously there because it's, it's in the midst of a, a hot period in, in California. They want to go to the beach. And so they're saying, they're telling the governor, take a hike. No, we're, we're not going to listen to you. So <laughs> I don't know. To the I mean, to me, I think they should open the parks here. They're like, I'm in the, the greater Toronto area. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, the idea that parks, you can't.
8: Parks makes, perks makes sense. I mean, if, if it's best that people stay so many feet away from each other for right now, yeah, every individual should try to do that. I mean, uh, being in a park is probably good for people to be outside, being in a park, you know, and yet, um, you know, some small store is, uh, is a, like, I, I went to a, a Whole Foods, and people were crammed in the produce section, and I watched these uh, these kids who were working for, they all had little special computer phones or whatever, they were working for Amazon pack and people's grocery orders for them and so forth and uh you know i saw one of them picking his nose <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> like, I was like that oh, was like that's disgusting and like there's this there's a weird question about you know why are some things open and other things not and i think that kind of has to do with who who has lobbyists behind them and uh it's we we do need to be concerned about the economics and we need to be concerned about you know, the health issue at the same time. And, um, I just, I hope people no matter what, just base their thoughts off facts and not just memes. There's a lot of people that they'll find a meme or, uh, some silly, you know, joke on the internet that fit their narrative. And it's just, I, you know, I just, can we please all like respect the medical professionals and, and not, you know, say that they're part of some conspiracy, you know, and, and, yeah, there's a lot of nurses out there making silly, stupid videos right now because, you know, they're going through a rough time. And every time one nurse makes a silly video, then some person on the Internet looks at the video and goes, oh, look, they're they're obviously not doing anything. And it's like, yes, yeah, some nurses have free time and other nurses are, you know, dealing with serious, serious stuff. You know,
3: let's talk a little bit about Joe Biden. A newly surfaced video from 1993 appears to uh, have to feature the mother of Tara Reid. Tara is the woman who has accused uh, Joe Biden, who is the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee of sexual assault. Um, And the mother of this woman is heard to be calling into this cable show on CNN, Larry King Live. And that conversation, that interview, appears to lend a lot of credence to the accusation by this woman, Tara Reid, that Joe um, assaulted her and that he's, uh, you know, not who he claims to be, this, uh, you know, pro woman kind of guy that in fact, yeah. uh, so uh, is this going to hurt him, do you think?
8: Yeah, I mean, you know, we, you can see footage after footage after footage after footage of Joe putting his hands on people inappropriately, sniffing people. I mean, we're talking like people of all ages. You see all the stuff that this man has done in public for decades. It's like who knows what he's like uh, behind closed doors and especially even, you know, 30, 40 years ago or, yeah, 30, 40 years ago when, um, uh, you know, people thought they could get away with even worse stuff. And he's a terrible candidate. And yet this exact same people who, you know, were so pro-Hillary in 2016 are, are th- saying this, you know, Joe's the best candidate stuff and that we, you know, vote blue or, you know, it's, you know, it's oh, it's Trump or Biden and, and, and all this stuff. And there's a few months left till the, till the, um, till the convention. And I, I, I think there's the possibility that they could replace Joe Biden. And, um, I mean, if, if they replace Joe Biden, then there's this serious possibility that, Oh well, I man, 'cause it, the the worse this whole situation gets, I think the Democrats have a stronger chance of winning. And if they replaced Joe Biden with Buttigieg or Kamal Harris or anybody besides maybe Bernie and uh and and um Bloomberg, um, if they went with any one of the other twenty four candidates, they probably would have a, a chance of, of defeating Trump. Um, you know, like Bernie of course is very polarizing and, and Bloomberg is a, uh, a, horrible, horrible record. But, um, I, I just, I can't believe the Democrats running this guy. It's, it just shows they they learned nothing from the 2016 election.
3: And I guess Michelle Obama who had been touted as a possible VP pick by Joe Biden. I'm sure Joe would love to have her on the ticket, but, um, Valerie Jarrett, who was an insider in the White House in the Obama years, has come out and said, no way, Uh, Michelle has no interest whatsoever, not only in running for political office, but in having anything to do with the Biden ticket. So um, was that the last hope? So he's got to come out. I guess he's got to find a VP. I don't know if that's going to take away away some of the oxygen from this uh, Me Too incident dating back to the early 90s. But... um, I don't know. What, it'll, what do
8: you... be, it'll be interesting. If, I mean, I think if, you would think that if he picks a VP candidate, you have to pick one of the candidates who ran against him. Um, but, uh, you know, there's the whole question about if they go with Stacey Abrams and they've really been propping her up for a few years now. I mean, at one point she was, um, I mean, of course she ran for governor and, and came very, very close and lost. And, after that they had her give the democratic response to one of trump's state of the union addresses uh and and if you find the footage it's it's crazy it looks like they green screened uh a crowd of people behind her and she i don't think she's ever held maybe she was a state rep at one time at a time i'm not sure but i don't know if she's actually held any elected office all i know about her is that uh she uh, attended the uh, Bilderberg Conference and, um, and if I'm not mistaken, has ties to the Council on Foreign Relations. So, um, I, you know, that that makes me pretty questioning of her. And um, I don't think they're going to go with principles first. I think they're going to go with, you know, who's going to get the, enough points as far as okay, are they a woman? Check. Are they this, that? Check, check. They're going to. They're going to go with identity politics before actual policies and principles.
3: Well, if you're a woman, I mean, I don't know why you'd want to run with a guy who is accused very seriously of having uh, sexually assaulted somebody back in the 90s. And these accusations seem a lot more serious than the, uh, the Kavanaugh-related incident, which goes way yeah, back. The,
8: the hypocrisy of the people who... The Kavanaugh situation so seriously, and then ignore this. I mean, in any case, look at the evidence. Look at the claims. You know, take things seriously. But why is it? You know, uh, anytime somebody accuses a Republican, it's taken very seriously. Anytime somebody accuses, uh, is Bill Clinton for that matter? I mean, most Democrats ignore every accusation against Bill Clinton. And same thing with Joe Biden. And there's a lot of hypocrisy.
3: Yeah, well, now that Joe is a political liability for the Democrat Party, I suggest that some of these Me Too incidents are going to start rearing their ugly head because, as you said, he's a crappy candidate. Everybody knows he's a lousy candidate, and uh, they want him gone. Anyway, Miles, thank you so much. Really appreciate this.
8: Thanks for having me.
3: Miles Kristen of uh, Wisconsin International Radio coming to us from close uh, to madison wisconsin and also check out miles's uh, youtube channel as well it's excellent so we'll be back with more news talk after this
1: no radio no problem stream us live on saga 960 am.ca
2: listening to the mark petroni radio program if you'd like to call here's the number 416-640-0200 that's 416-640-0200 the mark petroni radio. lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office
9: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Video program heard exclusively on News Talk, Saga 960.
3: Well, I guess the real debate really is when we open up the economy or not. On the weekend, we had, uh, well, uh, what uh, Premier Doug Ford was referring to as a bunch of yahoos. 200 protesters outside Queen's Park. This was on Saturday. Uh, this is a story by Joe Warmington, and The Sun didn't achieve, uh, Was going. was moving the goal line any closer to ending the lockdown. Okay, so his point is, you know, did these guys push the envelope in terms of getting the economy opened up again? And in fact, he's saying that it may have had the opposite effect and backfired. Open up Ontario was what these alleged yahoos were saying. As Joe was mentioning, um, it was the way that many of them disrespected physical distancing rules on the Queen's Park lawn that served as a collective thumbing of the nose to government efforts to save lives here and around the world. I mean, I get it. You know, you want to be on the side that airs on the side of caution, right? I I mean, I understand all of that. I mean, we don't want to take unnecessary risks. I'm with you there. On the other hand, you have to take seriously the concerns of people who fear that the consequences of staying closed too long, of not moving forward in some organized way to reopening the economy, could have devastating ramifications as well. There's a story out of the Calgary Herald, for instance, heartbreaking suicide rates expected to rise as COVID-19 grinds on. Just reading the story, suicide rates are expected to spike as issues related to the COVID-19 pandemic, such as unprecedented levels of unemployment, worsen existing mental health conditions. There is no evidence linked directly to a crisis of this kind considering a pandemic on this scale has not occurred since suicide data started being collected, but existing literature points to a sharp increase in suicides when there is a community concern like a flood, a fire, or an economic downturn. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, people are gonna, I think we need to see some of these numbers. Uh, There's uh, this woman who was quoted, she's the executive director for the Center of Suicide Prevention and said many people in Calgary are already facing financial difficulties, but the pandemic was layering on more feelings of anxiety, stress, and discomfort for the future. This woman, Mara Grunau, said that for every 1% increase in unemployment, there is a corresponding 0.79% spike, if you want to call it a spike, I mean, let's, (laughs) I'm sorry, but I see a number like that, and we're talking 0.79%. I mean, the author calls, the writer of the story calls it a spike, a 0.79% spike in suicides. I'm sorry, but (laughs) we're talking about less than 1%. I see a line like that, and it just, It just makes me like i'm not saying that there is no spike in suicides but if you're saying that there's a less than one percent spike then that is that's a pretty small spike according to research in most cases it takes 12 to 18 months after a financial crash to see these numbers rise look well okay the quote is it's just heartbreaking Typically, typically what we see is initially the suicide rate goes down because there is a sense of solidarity and we're all in this together and then it goes on as it drags on people exhaust their personal resources and then the suicide rates start to go up as the loss of routine loss of job security isolation negative feelings layering on top of one another i mean if you're one of these people who's depressed anyway then yeah this might very well push you over the edge. So. You know, when I get back to these so-called yahoos in front of Queen's Park, I mean, look, we have a great premier. I mean, I'm totally, and I've been a huge supporter of Doug Ford and his government. I think the fact that we have these guys has been a lifesaver. I can't, I cannot imagine the state we'd be in if uh, if the liberals were still running this province into the ground. But the idea that people protesting in favor of reopening the province would be dismissed in that way. I can't entirely support that. I think these people have legitimate claims, legitimate concerns about opening up the province. That's my take on it, for what it's worth. For all I know, maybe they were yahoos. I don't know. But I don't buy the fact that that these people somehow were, were wrong to be doing what they were doing. Maybe they could have taken a little bit more care in terms of the social distancing aspect. Okay, I grant you that. But yahoos? Look, I, I, my warning to the Ford government is the left is going to use this somewhat sometime down the road. <laughs> don't, don't say nobody warned you guys. That The left is going to say, well, you see... The reason why so many killed killed themselves, the suicide rate, you know, all the devastation, the economic devastation, it's on the Ford government, yeah, because they ignored the cries of so many who wanted the province opened up, that the economy opened up, they waited too long, and so now the Ford government has blood on its hands. You just watch. What I'm saying is, don't be surprised if this is a trap. I'm just saying it. Just throwing it out there. You want to believe it? Fine. You don't want to believe it. You want to dismiss it out of hand? Go right ahead. I'm just saying don't say you were not warned about this. Especially when you look south of the border and you see a story about um, the push by more and more states. I mentioned Georgia. uh, The next wave of U.S. states preparing to reopen as coronavirus could push jobless rate to 16%. I mean, you've had 26 million Uh, people lose their jobs in the United States. Another wave of U.S. states preparing to lift coronavirus restrictions this week against the warnings of many public health experts as the White House sees this month's jobless rate hitting 16% or higher. Health experts say increased human interaction could spark a new wave of cases of COVID-19. Well, tell me, how is it that China can now claim that the the province of Wuhan is now free of coronavirus. And uh, they're, they've got this huge push to get the economy rolling again in China. Funny how the left doesn't seem to want to talk about that over here. I mean, don't you? St- I mean, yeah, I realize they were ahead of us. But they are moving ahead with their economy now. I mean, there's a lot of talk that m- from more and more people in the senate and congress okay these are republicans generally like tom cotton in the united states and devin nunes people like that saying that the chinese were deliberate in allowing this thing to spread because they didn't want to be the only ones to suffer economically from the spread of the coronavirus so in other words they didn't want their economy devastated without having other economies devastated And of course, in this country, we had a guy whose actions were consistent with somebody who wants it to spread. That's right. Now, there's a difference between saying that and saying that he deliberately wanted it to spread. So I want you to understand the difference between the two, lest you misquote me. I'm not saying he deliberately allowed it it to spread, but I'm saying his actions were consistent with somebody who might have wanted to do so. When you're not banning flights in from Wuhan, you know, more concerned with, you know, ticking off the Chinese who had blasted Trump for banning flights in from Wuhan. I mean, to me, it's common sense. You've got this outbreak in China, you know, to say, all right, well, we're not going to allow flights in from China because people are going to be coming in and they're going to be spreading this thing. To me, that's just common sense. But to Junior, that's racism. So his actions, when you see, you know, and you—if you, you recall—the Chinese actually patted Junior on the head, the little lap dog, doing exactly what they wanted. Good for you. You didn't ban flights in from China. But then we what? We talk about limiting and restricting domestic flights. See, um, so flights in from China, where this thing started, and where it spread, that's wrong. But yet somehow restricting domestic flights, that's okay. To me, his actions are consistent with somebody who, uh, well, for lack of a better word, wanted, to, wanted it to spread. Again, I'm not saying he did, but uh, I'm saying his actions were consistent. There's a difference because I, don't, I can't get into his head. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on in there, if anything. But to me, if you're going to do that, then <laughs> you know, I have to question, right? First of all, I don't trust him anyway. So when I see him do certain things, opening up the borders again, for instance, you know, stuff like that, I think, what is going on in there? And okay, fine, granted, I don't trust him at all. Zilch, to me, he's dirty, um, corrupt, and uh, dishonest in the extreme. I, I can't stand the sight of the guy. He opens his mouth and I want to throw up in mine. Yeah, I can't stand him. I think he's terrible for the country, absolutely terrible. But I'm sorry for wandering off there. But I did mention that uh, there is a slew of states now that are looking at reopening. Colorado, Mississippi, Minnesota, Montana, Tennessee will join other states beginning an experiment to reopen economies without the testing and uh, con- contract tracing infrastructure, I'm just reading this, stuff uh, health experts say is needed to prevent a resurgence of the infections. And okay, so I look, I understand. In their mind, yeah, just stay home, stay home, stay home. Georgia, Oklahoma, Alaska, South Carolina have already taken steps to restart their economies. I mean, what, are those a bunch of yahoos as well? Look, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, are they all yahoos? Following a month of government-ordered lockdowns, those unprecedented restrictions resulted in a record 26.5 million Americans filing for unemployment benefits since mid-March. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office predicted Friday that the economy would contract at nearly a 40% annual rate in the second quarter. Even next year, the forecast is the unemployment rate averaging above 10%. Oh, we'll easily surpass that. White House Economic Advisor Kevin Hassett told reporters the U.S. jobless rate would likely hit 16% or more this month. And so, Yahoo's, I don't know. I didn't see these people. I uh, personally I, I'm on the record and I'm, I'm saying so saying that I believe parks should be reopened. I really do. I'm saying go to the park. I'm, I'm saying that parks should be reopened. I'm not saying don't distance yourself, you know. yeah, okay take take precautions. but this idea that we shouldn't be able to walk to the park, And so I am not at all surprised that people are saying uh, enough. I've had enough of this crap. You know, enough already. You know, we, you know, I understand we all got to be careful. No government wants to be attacked later on saying you guys opened the economy too soon. And now look, we've had another spike in the number of cases. We've had another spike in the number of deaths. I understand that every single government wants to, well, most governments, most governments, okay, want to be on the side that, well, we told people. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Uh Uh-huh. in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do
9: I have to say? Yes, you do.
1: In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting.
9: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
9: A whoohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at
3: chumbacasino.com.
9: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: We told i we told them it was too soon. You didn't want to listen you know so i mean i understand that but uh this idea that we have to drag this on it just uh, to me it doesn't make much sense yeah people are going to die you know if you're weak if you're if you're i mean let's the, the, the percentage of people dying of this thing i believe is now under 1% if they, if they and now they're seeing that a lot of people who uh, have it were not have been undiagnosed, untested, right? This whole idea that many, many people are asymptomatic. They'll get it and not have any symptoms whatsoever. Um, to me, well, that tends to lend credence to the idea that the numbers, that the fatalities related to COVID-19 are certainly lower than what people thought they were. I mean, we had been talking about two percent between two and three percent. Well now it looks like it's under one. I'm look, I'm not advising people to be reckless. But I mean I you know you have to you have to get outside at some point, right? Um that that's my take on it. I think the president's Plan a stepwise approach to reopening the economy is the way to go. Personally, that's what I would do. And um, again, I would warn the folks, the nice folks, the good folks in the Ford government, that the longer you drag this on, the more you leave yourself vulnerable to attacks later on by those who say that the government waited too long. It's a trap. Anyway, got to take a quick time out. More to come after this.
1: Stream us live at saga960am.ca.
2: You were listening to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk, Saga 960.
3: You don't mind being spied on by uh, Chinese-made drones now, do you? Why not? We got phones spying at us. Chinese company not suspected of spying on U.S. citizens, however, has out of the goodness of its heart donated police drones to 22 states. Chinese company by the name of Dejiang Innovations, the world's largest maker of drones, has donated these uh, flying surveillance vehicles to 43 law enforcement agencies. Operating in 22 U.S. states. Look, nobody does surveillance like the Chinese. I mean, they are pros because when you've got a totalitarian regime, this must be the kind of stuff that Junior just dreams about, like when he closes his eyes before drifting off. Surveillance operations like the kind that the Chinese have. He, it must be like his dream. Anyway, 22 U.S. states. Yeah, that's how they're going to enforce social distancing rules with the use of these Chinese-made drones. Oh, yeah, great idea. And, of course, once you know the pandemic has sorted itself out, well, they'll just keep these things around, you know, because you never know, right? It's a good way to save lives. Police in Elizabeth, New Jersey, will be using the drones to surveil residents in places where patrol cars can't easily reach, such as spaces between buildings and backyards. Yeah, we'll find out if you're social distancing or not. If these drones, this is the quote by Elizabeth Mayor Chris Balwidge. This is the way these tyrants think. If these drones save one life, it is clearly worth the activity and the information that the drones are sending like to these people they'll use that as justification that's the way these psychopaths operate just like here right for instance you had this mass shooting in Nova Scotia the guy had no legal right to to have firearms he didn't have uh, a kind of assault rifle you know with him but that doesn't matter as far as the liberals are concerned because they're going to use that as justification to ram through their gun grabbing operation. Of course this rule would have had no impact whatsoever on what the psychopath in Nova Scotia did. It doesn't matter to these people. They know what they want to do. It's just a matter of waiting for the right event that they could use as as a pretext whether it's logical or not to use that event as a pretext or not doesn't matter to them they get the idea is to use these events to exploit these events you got a crisis you got a health crisis that's a perfect example where you can exploit a, a situation a very difficult challenging situation as an excuse to grab power to hijack parliament to render people uh, you know to to get rid of the accountability aspect of your spending to do whatever the hell you want. So that's the way these people think you got a crisis, you exploit it. And that's the type of people who are governing us right now. But anyway, the fact that these things are Chinese, I think, see, here's the deal. I've spoken about this in the past and this is important, right? The Chinese, uh, subject all sorts of tyranny on their own people. Their people look elsewhere and they go, look, You know, Canadians have more freedom, Americans have more freedom, Europeans have more freedom than we do. We want those types of freedoms. So, what the Chinese want us to do, which is handy for them to have, you know, a little lapdog like Justin Trudeau around as a useful idiot, to impose the same kinds of tyrannical measures on their own people so that the you know, the the country itself in China, the Chinese themselves can't point to other countries and say, well, they have freedoms and we want those freedoms. So the Chinese government wants to be able to say, well, they don't have any freedoms either. So the same type of measures that you are subjected to, well, the Canadians are too, the Americans are too, the French, the Spanish, the whatever, Italians, Brits, whatever, all these other groups, they're all subject to the same tyranny you are. And so... The Chinese are saying, here you go, take our drones. And that's the way psychopaths justify what they do. And here it is in the story. Chinese authorities have deployed drones to police citizens, uh, breaking lockdown rules during the coronavirus pandemic. Footage gathered by police shows that the drones operated by police on the ground warning residents by loudspeaker to return to their homes. Residents of China have faced sweeping lockdowns in response to the coronavirus with reports of authorities locking some citizens in their own homes for quarantine. And so this is the situation, right? The the Chinese want the rest of the world to be subjecting their own people to the same type of tyrannical measures that they subject to their people. So in other words, they want everybody to have the same type of fascist type of... uh, government than they do, so that they don't have to constantly ha- and deal with the freedom movements inside their own countries. The problem is, the people love freedom. Uh, perfect example, in Paris, Parisians are defying the lockdown by dancing briefly in the streets. Yeah, there's a story in APN, well, AP News, sorry. The itch to dance, to break out of Coronavirus lockdowns and, and bust a few moves in the fresh air out on the street has proved too strong for some to resist in Paris after weeks of staying home. A video of Parisians dancing in the streets this weekend, some wearing face masks, triggered buzz and criticism on social networks. And an apology from the out-of-work theater technician who blasted the music from his balcony. There you go. A guy by the name of Nathan... Sabah, has been thanking medics and trying to keep people's spirits up with half hour hip shaking musical selections. <laughs> but his goodwill gesture, which he dubs the disco balcons in his Instagram postings, this weekend became a victim of its own success. Police knocked at his door and gave him a talking to after a small but frisky crowd gathered and danced under the balcony of his apartment in Montmartre. Yeah, there were a lot of people. The square was quite full. Some people were far too close. This person acknowledged sheepishly in a phone interview. I don't know, man. This is just sometimes it just feels like a little bit too much. That's why I kind of got a bit of a kick out of the story in uh, in Zero Hedge about just the fact that many more people are pushing back against the kind of uh, tyranny that we have seen well, in places like China in places like North Korea and more and more people are pushing back and uh, as a result this column uh, after decades of brainwashing MSM and governments are losing control of the people MSM of course the main slime media the mainstream media And governments are losing control of people all over the globe. Humans are finally standing up for their rights to live, not as slaves, but as free, sovereign people, capable of making their own decisions without rulers and elitists calling the shots. Never before have we witnessed such global tyranny on this scale, but also never before have we seen a mass uprising against governments and their propaganda outlets Uh, aka the mainstream media, either as more and more people get off their knees and stand up for their basic human rights to live freely. Governments and the elitists that control them are losing power. We are at the point where power will return to the people and the elitists will be the ones living in fear. Well, is it all a bunch of uh, wishful thinking? I don't know. The mainstream media, just reading on with a story, the the mainstream media is going to continue its smear campaign against anyone who dares to believe they have the right to live freely, so long as they aren't harming others and take life's risk upon themselves. But as fewer people tune in to listen to their propaganda, fewer people will be brainwashed by it. A lot of people have lost everything in the tyrannical, liberty-crushing demands put upon them. But now that they have nothing to lose, they are finally realizing that their rights don't come from the government or the elites, but they are uh, inherent in what every person should have, just by virtue of being alive. And uh, it's just—I almost find it amusing—the references to the fact that the mil- that the media is such is seen now by so many people as an arm of tyranny. You know, here was something that should be. Um, something that defends democratic institutions, right? Something that should be used to defend freedom. And yet it has been co-opted to such a degree, as we have seen here with the bought-off media and Junior's you know, huge media fund, has been co-opted as part of the machinery of the state. It's, um, it's demoralizing. But on the other hand, the more and more people wake up, the more uh, of a good thing it'll turn out to be, right? Anyway, that's it for our show today. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's certainly been fun bringing it to you. Let's do it again tomorrow, shall we? See you then.
1: No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.